Hello and welcome to the Fail Mary podcast. We are just about halfway through the season and as this weekend's results pretty much showed, it's been one of the weirdest ones I've ever followed. Uh, we'll start as always with the results. The Falcons continue to baffle everyone by beating the Panthers somehow. This was 25-17, to 17. Matt Ryan, one of his games where he shows up and becomes the Super Bowl MVP quarterback he was about four years ago. The Steelers are still undefeated. They beat the Ravens 28-24. The Ravens beat the Steelers in passing yards, rushing yards and yards per play. But Lamar didn't look at all good with the ball, especially when he was passing. And the Steelers were very clinical. The Dolphins beat the Rams, weirdly. This one was 28-17. It was Tua's debut. We'll discuss that later on. The Chiefs beat the Jets, of course. That was 35-9. The Vikings beat the Packers 28-22. Once again... The Packers aren't very keen to play against teams that try and push them around. The Vikings aren't even particularly good at doing that, and they ran all over this Packers defence. The Colts beat the Lions 41-21. The Colts are winning just by being a very well-organised and well-drilled team, both offensively and defensively. The Raiders are similar. They beat the Browns 16-6. Baker might be in trouble with the Browns. They are really, really bad, and they can't run. And that is all Baker's fault. Joe Burrow got himself his second win of the career. It was against the Titans. I've been very positive about the Titans, so naturally they're starting to fall apart. They cannot pass rush, and Burrow looked very, very comfortable, which was impressive. The Bills inch past the Patriots. This was 24-21. The Pats haven't been particularly good, but credit to Bill Belichick. He has a great measure of the other quarterbacks in his division. They beat Miami in week one, and then they got after Josh Allen well this week with very few of their normal starting players. No Stefan Gilmore this week. They were looking at maybe trading him away, although he has stayed. And as always, Cam needs some help on the offense. In what was the game of the weekend, the Broncos beat the Chargers 31-30 on the last play of the game. This was Drew Locke. He had a walk-off scrambling touchdown pass. Very impressive. In fact, both quarterbacks were very impressive. They both threw for three touchdowns and passed over 40 times. Drew Locke's touchdown dance celebration, however, was really bad. Needs to practice his dancing, if he should be doing it at all, which you could argue probably shouldn't. The 49ers lost to the Seahawks. Garoppolo is once again injured. I'd be getting pretty fed up with him at this point, and there is other talent out there, but they've missed the trade deadline now, so it's Will Mullins for the foreseeable future. And unfortunately, being the fourth-back quarterback in the division probably means they're going to end up in fourth place. The Saints snuck past the Bears, 26-23. They won it all pretty much with the last kick of the game, but the Saints are really struggling to play any dynamic offence, and it all runs through Alvin Kamara at the moment, which is good for my fantasy team, but not great for Saints fans. In the battle for the NFC East, the Eagles beat the Cowboys, hilariously, 23-9. Not really a good game at all. In fact, it was laughably bad. Wentz managed to throw two interceptions against the league's worst defence. Fortunately, the new Cowboys lad, Ben DiNucci, was even worse. Just over 50% completions and 180 yards. No picks, though, so there is that. And finally, the, the Buccaneers beat the Giants on Monday Night Football. This was, this was a slightly weird one. The Bucs didn't seem hugely focused on the game. I think they probably went in thinking they'd win, and then the Giants sort of turned up and played really well on their home soil. But again, the Buccaneers managed to grind out a result, which they probably wouldn't have done a few years ago. Uh, Giants playing very, very well. 25-23 to 23, this one finished. But, as we said, halfway through the season, so let's start with a half-time review. So, 
at the beginning of the season, in the very first episode, I did my playoff picks. And we're going to go back over them now quickly. I picked the Ravens to win the AFC North, the Chiefs to win the West, the Bills to win the East, and the Titans to win the South. And then for the wild cards, I picked the Texans, the Patriots, also not great, and the Broncos. Not a great wildcard selection there. In the NFC, I picked the Saints in the South, hmm, Green Bay in the North, the Eagles in the East, and Seattle in the West. And then for the wild cards, I picked the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Buccaneers. I, st- I think the 49ers could have been up there, but without Garoppolo, they won't be. So we'll factor him out. So overall, pick-wise, good but not great. In the AFC, I was right about the Bills and the Chiefs and the Titans. I still think they'll win their divisions, although the Colts and the, and the Dolphins have surprised me. The Ravens aren't going to win the division. The Steelers will, but the Ravens will still get to the playoffs. The Broncos, the Texans, and the Patriots, I managed to miss on all three of them. So, not great for my wild cards. I'm now backing the Colts and the Raiders just for being more well-organised and more physical than everyone else. And then in the NFC, I was right on the Eagles, the Seahawks, and the Packers. The Saints are slightly limp, but still make the playoffs. And the Bucks will win the division, not just make it in. So will the Cardinals, so I picked them right, and... No Garoppolo, I mean the 49ers are out, so it's either the Bears or the Rams. Uh, I think that's a tough call, but they've both got hard schedules. So I'm going to lean towards the Rams just because I think they'll continue to get better, whereas the Bears seem to be getting worse. So in terms of teams making the playoff, that's 10 out of 14 so far. Could get worse, but currently not too bad. But I'm not just here to talk about how right or wrong I was. I mean, that would be incredibly boring as a podcast. So here's my actual point. We're halfway through the season. How fun is the NFL? I mean, we are halfway through and it still is completely unclear who the best teams are. Should be the Chiefs on paper, but they couldn't beat the Raiders and that game wasn't even particularly close. So we know the Chiefs are beatable. On paper, it's now the Steelers and their schedule means that there's a real chance that they'll be the number one seed because we already know they can beat the Ravens. But are the Steelers generally the best team with an old guy with a broken elbow at quarterback and a bunch of kids playing at wide receiver are they really the the best in the NFL and then is it is it the Bucks lots of talent the oldest quarterback in the league and a head coach who used to leave training to go and get massages that doesn't seem right either so then is it the Seahawks with absolutely no defense I mean they picked up uh, Carlos Donlap before the trade deadline that's sort of a sensible acquisition and Jamal Adams is coming back from injury but is Russell Wilson so good that he can carry pretty much 52 other blokes all the way to a Super Bowl? And then you look past them and it, what, the Bills struggling to score points and stop teams? The Saints can't really throw past 10 yards? Titans can't sack anyone? The Packers are getting pushed around even by bad teams now. The Ravens don't really pass. And then we're on to teams like the Cardinals and the Raiders. I mean, what other sports league in the world has so many teams that could possibly win the title? I can't think of a single one that I would bother to watch, except maybe the IPL. And, you know, in a time where VAR is ruining football and money is spoiling rugby and cricket can take five days for a draw and the Olympics happens every four years, just to remind us that Team GB is good at, like, cycling and rowing and sometimes gymnastics. And I spent a whole day watching an election that I wasn't even involved in. That's how desperate I am for some sort of spectator sport. And I love all of these things. But for me, at this point, NFL is clearly king. Okay, moving on to an actual story instead of just, you know, talking about how much I love football. Uh, Tua started his first game this weekend. He is the first round pick for the Miami Dolphins. He came out of Alabama. 
his criticism at the time was sort of that he was undersized and not as mobile as he thought he was, but he is still a very good passer. So it was exciting to see him get his first start against the Rams this weekend. He did get absolutely smacked quite early on by Aaron Donald, but he took it well, shook it off. I think he even said, you're going to have to hit me harder than that on the um, on the Mike Tups YouTube stuff you can go and see. And it was interesting because Tua is the third rookie to start a game at quarterback this season. We've also had Herbert for the Chargers and Joe Burrow for the Bengals. And of all of them, he was the first one to actually win the game he was playing in. So you'd think that all was well, but actually... His performance was the only one where I kind of thought, meh, you know, 90 passing yards, 55 rushing yards. He basically got bailed out by their defense and special teams. And even though he won, Tua was the only quarterback who didn't, who was the only rookie quarterback who didn't come in and sort of instantly make his team better. Now, some of this is because the Dolphins are trying to protect him and not put too much in his shoulders, which is fair enough. Some of it is also that Fitzpatrick is a way better quarterback to replace than Tyrod Taylor or Andy Dalton. But when watching Herbert and Burrow play this season, both of them are absolutely jumping off the screen as players. And you know, you know, in the first quarter, as soon as you look at them, you say, yeah, that guy, that guy looks at home as an NFL quarterback. And I watched pretty much the entirety of the Dolphins game and I was watching Tua closely and nothing about it really impressed me he looked a bit small I thought and to be honest quite slow and you know his passing's accurate that's his biggest plus but so is Baker Mayfield's and that doesn't really impress me anymore either and you know lots of people in this league are accurate the quarterbacks who make the difference now are either the ones who can put entire teams on their back or the ones who can absolutely take the top off defenses I mean I've not been blown away by Big Ben, but twice a game he'll throw a 40-yard deep ball down the sideline to some 21-year-old, and I'll go, okay, yeah, that pass couldn't possibly have been any better. That's one of the best throws I've ever seen. And he does that sort of twice a game. And a while ago, I talked about how we were coming to a point where every team in the league were in some way happy with their quarterback. But now I'm not actually sure it's not going the other way. And being a serviceable quarterback in this league is no longer all it takes. When a 23-year-old can come in and run an offense like a veteran, well, what's the point of having the veteran? Serviceable now is sort of like baseline expectations. It's like kind of what's expected. Baker Mayfield, for example, is serviceable. Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, Philip Rivers, Matt Stafford, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Foles, all of these guys a few years ago would have been worth first-round picks and or massive contracts. And all of them now are serviceable, very, very capable of winning games, but there's this new breed of kid coming through from the college system who who spent their entire lives with strength and conditioning coaches and gym schedules and nutrition advice and the most modern training facilities known to man. And they've grown to be these sort of six foot four monsters who can outrun 90% of D linemen in the league and throw a ball so far it has snow in it when it comes down. And that's sort of, that's the bar now for a first round pick. There's two of them. There's two more of them coming out of the draft this year, Justin Field and Trevor Lawrence. Both of them just, just unbelievable looking humans, just built differently. And if in the second half of the season, Tua doesn't show anything more impressive than just being an accurate thrower, the Dolphins should move off him because you have to admit that you've overestimated what an NFL quarterback needs to be anymore. Being serviceable is no longer what it's about. You need to be this next level Athletic talent, that is what I expect to see for my first round picks these days. And if you aren't part of that group, then your team should move off you. Being serviceable is no longer enough for a first round pick. You better be part 
of this new breed. And that will take me nicely to my first mailbag question. Uh, what do I think about Russell Wilson spending $1 million a year on his body? Okay, <laughs> that makes it sound like he has a lot of plastic surgery. Let me contextualise. So he spends a million pounds, a million dollars, sorry, a year on making sure that he is physically and mentally as prepared as he can possibly be to play American football. So he has, here's the list, a full-time personal trainer who travels with him to every single game home and away, a physical therapist, he's more about recovery from specific knocks during a game, a mobility therapist, this is just sort of captioned as his, he's in charge of making sure Russell is moving in the right way. So this is about Russell not hurting himself by carrying his body wrong. Then he has a massage therapist, two chefs, and two hyperbaric chambers that he uses four times a week, and he works out 363 days a year. On top of all that, he has a chap called Trevor, who is a mental conditioning expert, who works with him exclusively on getting into the right mindset before games. And the mindset he aims for, this is the thing I found weirdest, is the mindset he aims for during and before games is neutral, which means that regardless of the situation, whether he's winning closely, losing closely, losing by loads, winning by loads, he wants to have a completely neutral mindset. And this isn't a completely new thing. He's been doing this for five years. There's also some benefit to his wife, Kiara, because obviously she's an athlete and a performer in her own right. So she probably has, you know, has a share of the chefs and the physical therapists and stuff. But as a duo, this is how much money they're spending on keeping themselves in perfect shape. What do I make of it? Well, I was having this conversation with my friends the other day because the point was being made that your body peaks athletically, and I can't remember, some sometime around 29 to 31, and after that you start to physically decline. And that is probably true for, you know, the the normal human being, that like you you sort of, you start to decline and things start to fall apart from the age of about 30-ish onwards. That makes sense to me, but that doesn't make sense when you factor in the fact that medicine and science now means that you can pretty much do anything you want to your body within a certain parameters. Now, you know, like you can't add wings, but apart from that, you can keep yourself, if you have enough money, you can keep yourself pretty much in perfect condition for ages. Think about like movie stars, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson's nearly 50 and he looks like he looks. So obviously, he's in much better condition than most 25-year-olds. He hasn't declined more than a 25-year-old who spends his entire life in the pub. So I completely understand why Russell, who wants to have this really lengthy career and play until he's 45, will and who is earning something around $30 million a year, it's a very sensible investment if you think about it. If he can prolong his career by 10 years by spending a million dollars a year and then earning $30 million back a year by being one of the best quarterbacks in the league, then fair play to him. I wouldn't want to commit to 365 days of working out. I think that would probably drive me insane. But that's what you have to do if you want to be the best. And that is why Russell Wilson is currently the best. He has such an elite mindset and how he approaches each match. And he is completely committed to putting the Seahawks team at the back at the moment. To be honest, I think if he wasn't doing this, the Seahawks would be in trouble. But again, I think that's an incredible achievement. I think it completely makes sense given what he wants to achieve. And fair play to him. It's his money. Spend it how you want, mate. Thank you for your question. Question number two. Can the Steelers go undefeated? Good question. 
since the nineteen fifty since nineteen fifty, in fact, there's only been two undefeated teams. Uh, one of them was the nineteen seventy two Dolphins. They went all the way to the Super Bowl and won it. And another one was the two thousand and seven Patriots, who went to the Super Bowl and then lost to the Giants. So it is rare and quite difficult to go all the way. But let's let's put aside winning the Super Bowl, for example, because as we've just discussed, that is that's a whole different thing. But can they go sixteen and zero in the regular season? On the one hand, I don't I don't love Ben Roethlisberger as a quarterback. I think he still makes some very odd decisions. I do love his aggression. And I think he has evolved to the modern game a little bit. But I still think there's some things he does where I'm like, I don't even know what you think you saw to throw that pass just then. That was mental. But on the other hand, brilliant defence, probably the best in the league. Great group of young wide receivers. Great O-line. Those are all in his favour. And then this is their schedule for the next eight games. Cowboys, well, they'll win that. The Bengals, they should win that. The Jags, they should win that. The Ravens, they've already beaten them once. Washington. I mean, that's the NFC East. They'll win that. The Bills, the Bills can't really score at the moment. And then the Bengals again. The Colts, that'll be their biggest test. And then they finish with the Browns. To me, all of them are the most, are winnable games. The one game I wouldn't want to play there if I was trying to go undefeated is the Colts game. Because the Colts, if nothing else, play brilliantly up front in both directions and will run on you all day. And the Steelers struggle to stop the Ravens running. So I think they'll probably struggle with the Colts as well. But again, this is why the league is good. Because the Steelers were third last year, they now have a chance at being an undefeated team because of the schedule falls nicely for them. So, I don't... Just because of how rare it is, I don't think it will happen. I think one of two things will happen. Either they'll struggle against the obvious teams or they'll beat the obvious teams and then slip up against someone like the Browns on the last day when they're basically home and dry. Or maybe even the Bengals. Joe Burrow will have a sick game when the... Um, when the Steelers are sort of focused on the wrong games and they'll go to Bengals thinking they're going to win and they'll get beaten, you know, 19 to 18 or something ridiculous like that. But they are all winnable games. I will, you know, fascinated to watch. It would be amazing to see another undefeated season. But my instinct is, no, it won't happen. Thank you for your question. Uh, last question. This is, must be from a Bears fan. What are my thoughts on Javon Wims? two-game suspension being upheld. Yes, definitely from a Bears fan. I mean, so this was in the, the Chicago Bears versus the Saints game. If you haven't seen the... Inst there was It was all over Instagram and Twitter and stuff. It was very strange. At the end of a play, and Javon Williams is a wide receiver, and he wandered over to this DB who wasn't even covering him and punched him in the face once and then sort of like went like he was about to get in a fist fight, but the DB like just looked at him so he punched him again and then started like full-on just attacking him and then obviously got ejected because you can't just fight people on the pitch and got given a two-game ban because it looked pretty much unprompted that he'd just gone after someone randomly. Later footage revealed that the DB who's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson had ripped out his gum guard and allegedly spat at him although there is no footage of that. My biggest question is why would you punch someone in the helmet like that? Surely that really, as a wide receiver, you need your hands. Like, I don't really understand what the plan was. And fair enough, I've listened to um, NFL players talk in the past about when people ask them, why do you get in fights on the field? Or why do you throw punches on the field? And it's about, you know, respect. And if you go and rip someone's gum guard out, you've got to expect to get beaten up because that's disrespectful or something ridiculous like that. But I don't understand 
why he'd ever punch someone with a helmet. And then especially just randomly, like he didn't even find a clever way on the field to like cheap shot him. He just assaulted him in front of everyone with lots of cameras. So do I, what are my thoughts on the two, the, sorry, the question is, what are my thoughts on the two game suspension being upheld? Completely makes sense. Also as a DB, I completely understand that I'm going to do anything in my power to annoy a wide receiver because it gets under their skin and then they have a breakdown. Do you remember when Josh Norman really wound up Odell Beckham and Odell Beckham fought him and got sent off? Perfect. The best way to play a wide receiver is get him sent off because then he definitely isn't going to beat you on from the sidelines. So, yeah, deserve to be suspended. Two-game suspension sounds about right, assuming he'll get a fine as well. Um, don't nibble when someone's winding you up. I think that's the lesson here. Don't get wound up. And finally, we come to games of the week. As always, two games, one at 6pm and one just after 9. The 6pm game I'm choosing for you this week is the Seahawks versus the Bills. I feel like I've picked Seahawks a lot, but Russell Wilson is a real treat to watch. So that alone should be enough. But more importantly, this is about the Seahawks defence because the Bills offence is struggling at the moment, but it isn't not struggling because it's bad or has a bad QB, just hasn't got things going. So this is the first test if the Seahawks defense, which is currently 31st in the league out of 32 teams, can they start to learn how to stop good teams? Because the Bills can put points together if they play well. So this is either going to be a shootout because no one's stopping Russell Wilson, or it's going to be heavily one-sided. So big test for the Seahawks. If they can start to move towards an average defense instead of a terrible one, then they're going to move up in the Super Bowl predictions because best offense versus plus good defense usually equals competitive team. So we shall see. Can Josh Allen and the Bills start to get something moving again? Can they slow down Russell Wilson as much as possible? Again, very well organized team, very well coached by Sean McDermott, but Pete Carroll is a good coach for Seahawks as well. So this is all about the Seattle defence. If they start to look better, then this game is going to be over early. If they still can't get it together, then this is going to be a shootout with two very exciting quarterbacks. So win-win. Win-win. And the later one, this is at 9.25. This is the Dolphins versus the Cardinals. Well, these two go together because same division, Bills and Dolphins. Dolphins are currently one victory behind the Bills. The Bills are 5-2, and two, the Dolphins are 4-3. and three. For me, what I want you to watch in this game, this is the battle of the short quarterbacks, okay? Kyler Murray is 5'10"-ish. Tua Tangavello is not much taller than that. So, the question is, Kyler Murray knows how to play within himself. He understands what he's capable of and what he's not capable of. And in, he's only in his second year, but he is still very impressive in how he plays within himself. He doesn't try and do too much. He doesn't try and be a big quarterback. He's just a very good and very talented athlete. Can Tua learn that? This should be a good lesson for Tua. I like the Cardinals' offense more, but Miami's defense is probably a bit better. So again, this is going to be a close one. And I'm interested to see, and I want you to watch as well. Watch Tua and you tell me whether you feel he looks like an NFL quarterback. He'll be the chap in white. Have a look, because I've watched them a few times now and I'm, I'm really leaning away from Tua being any sort of a star in this league. He'll be good, but... Is he going to be Drew Brees? Is he going to be Russell Wilson? Probably not. So let's see. That's at 9.25. That's the sea Sorry, the Dolphins against the Cardinals. And the 6pm one is the Seahawks versus the Bills. Two great games this weekend. That's four or three and a half good quarterbacks to play as well. So lots of good games to watch. And that will end the show for this week.
Thank you very much for listening. As always, if you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter at NKFailMary. We are also on YouTube and we have another video up. We put one up every Wednesday evening. So go and check those out and let me know what you think of them as well. If you want to get in contact, just DM me on there or comment on one of my videos or at me on Twitter and I will add your thoughts to the mailbag. Thank you very much for listening. I will see you next time.